And you may be seated. Good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. It honestly is great to see each and every one of you. Fall is in the air. Thanksgiving is only a few weekends away. And uh, we're excited about Thanksgiving weekend. You will see an insert in the bulletin. You can invite a family or you can invite a, a university student uh, to come and join you at your table for Thanksgiving. Thousands of people come from around the world to one of our universities and college. And we want to make room to just bless them on Thanksgiving weekend. Drop by a kiosk and they can tell you more about it. And we're gearing up for a special Thanksgiving offering last year. We didn't take up a special offering for our debt. We took up a special offering on Thanksgiving weekend, uh, not for our mortgage, but to bless the community. And you gave, I think, $67,000 to bless Vanier Community Church in the core of our city. And they needed new front doors. We were able to do that, and we give God thanks. With this coming Thanksgiving, we have set a goal for $70,000. And you will see an insert in your bulletin. And it's broken down into three areas. And you'll see $32,000 to help fix the stairs leading up to those new doors at Vanier Community Church. It's an old building. And those stairs are falling apart. We want to rebuild those stairs. We want that church to be top-notch to reach the Vanier area. And then secondly, you'll see $28,000 to a church plant that is starting in 2020, January, at the Ottawa University. And it's a Pentecostal church. We're excited about that. And they're trying to get a sound system. They need $28,000. We're believing we're going to pay in full for their audio-visual system to help that church get started. And then a church that you could throw a stone and hit, Arlington Woods Free Methodist Church, just over Green Bank, that was greatly impacted by the tornado a year ago, ripped off the roof of their old sanctuary, now their Christian Ed Wing. And the insurance is paying for the new roof, but they want to remodel that building and make it more conducive for the next generation and to reach their community. And so we're going to surprise them, actually, next weekend. And I'm going to go between the two morning services. I'm going to share a little greeting. The pastor's asked me to come. But what he doesn't know is I'm going to bring a $10,000 check from Woodvale to bless that church, to help them reach their potential, to reach the Arlington Woods area. Isn't it exciting to be a blessing? Come on, isn't it exciting to be a blessing? And as your pastor, I just want to encourage you to pray together as a family. What would God want your family to do above your regular tithes for this special Thanksgiving offering? And when you choose to give, you can just simply tag it, Thanksgiving, and we'll be a blessing for the community. How many people are ready now for God's Word? Come on, you ready for God's Word? Come on, how many people are ready for God's Word? Well, if you weren't here last Sunday, we began an eight-part sermon series that we're calling I Pray. And there's a sermon outline on the back of your bulletin, or you could pull it up on your handheld device. Have you ever wondered, how do I pray? What do I pray? Does God even hear? Does God even answer our prayer? I thank the Lord that Jesus' disciples had that exact same question. In fact, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so Jesus modeled for us what we call the Lord's Prayer. And I had you recite the Lord's Prayer last week, and I caught on quickly that many of you don't know the Lord's Prayer. And I started to think, if you were of my age group and you were raised in the public school system in the late 60s and the early 70s, how many people remember we'd sing the national anthem every day and then we recite the Lord's Prayer. Do you remember doing that? Wouldn't it be great if the Lord's Prayer was recited again every day in the public school system? I think that would be great. 
And we learn that prayer, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Come on, say it with me. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God today? Now, the danger is that prayer just becomes a recitation, and we miss the heart and the depth of it. And as I started to study the Lord's Prayer, I realized that it incorporated eight phrases, eight prayers, eight cool prayers that can change our prayer life and bring our prayer life to the next level. Last Sunday, we talked about the prayer of connection, our Father in heaven. And we started to unpack the truth that Jesus unpacked a a Greek word that was foreign to many people in his day because in the Old Testament, God was only called Father like seven times. But now he says, our Father in heaven, our pater, P-A-T-E-R. In the Aramaic, Abba. And it's an intimate word, an affectionate word. And the problem is, many of us struggle calling God Father because we've got an unhealthy image of earthly father. And subconsciously, we begin to transpose what our earthly father is like to our heavenly father. And some of you, maybe you came from a home where dad was absent, abusive, maybe angry, maybe unresponsive, unconcerned, unconnected. And we took all of that misconceptions last Sunday. We lined it up under the truth of God's word. And we were reminded last Sunday that our God is a caring father. Come on, somebody say amen to that. How many people are glad he's a caring father? We were reminded that he's a close father. We're reminded that he's a, a competent father. And, and he's a father that cares for us. He's close to us. He's competent. And he wants to g- give us approval. And he wants to give us affirmation. If you missed last Sunday, go online, watch it, listen to it. And it will, I believe, help you in that beginning of seeing your prayer life go to the next level. Well, today we want to focus on the next phrase. And it's, hallowed be your name. In the King James Version, hallowed be your name. And I want to talk today for just a couple of moments, three things I want to explore. Number one, what does the word hallow actually mean? And I thought about that, and some of you are like, hallow, Halloween, no, no, not that, definitely not that. Um, Hallow, the the hallowed halls of justice, I remember people saying that. Or when I was in history, the hallowed grounds of the battlefield, and I was still confused. And some of you are like, I have no clue what the word hallow actually means. And here it is in the prayer. We're to hallow God's name. So number one, what does the word hallow mean? Write this in notes. Number one, to hallow God's name. It's an ancient word and actually means to honor God's name. And so when you hallow the name of God, you're just giving God the honor that is due to him. You're honoring, honoring his name because God is worthy of all honor and all praise. He's worthy of all honor and all praise. Now secondly, write this in your notes. It's, it's to see his name for its true, its true importance and its true value. And I want to I unpack today that the names of God that we see in the, in the Bible is a revelation of who our God is. And he's worthy of all honor. His names are important. His names are marked by value. And when you hallow the name of God, you are honoring his name. You are seeing his name for its importance and for its value. So let's go to number two. 
what's so important about God's name? I mean, I mean, if we're to hallow his name, to honor his name, what's so important about his name? Now, there's three things I want to quickly share with you. Number one, you, you may know this, but names used to be used to indicate who a person was. Years ago, that's the way it was. I mean, if you're in the town and you were the carpenter, your last name was Carpenter. I mean, if you're, if you're a cook, your last name was Cook. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? If you're the baker, you're Baker. And I've studied my name, Scar. Now, just for the record, my last name is Scar, and the origin of the name is not from Lion King, all right? It's not from Lion King. You need to, I've had people, yeah, you got your name from Lion King. No, I didn't. That movie came out in 1994. My name goes way, way back. And, and I studied the last name Scar, and it's an abbreviation of Ascarda, like Haskard. And you're, you're still lost on that. And they say that that ancient word Haskard is, is the idea of house care, and it actually means a butler. So probably way, 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 way back somewhere in Europe, somebody was the butler, and they called him Scar because it identified who the person was. You've heard sometimes someone's last name is Johnson. Well, they're John's son. You got it. Davidson, David's son. And so I think we understand that years ago, names used to be used to indicate who a person was. Let's come to number two. Each of God's names in the Bible. Now, by the way, there's hundreds of names of God in the Bible. And we're going to look at every single one of them this morning. No, we're not. Aren't you relieved? Hundreds of names. You're not leaving until we go through them all. No, we're not. But there's actually hundreds of names of God in the Bible. And each of God's names in the Bible reveals something about his character. They reveal something about who he is. I mean, all of these names in the Bible that we're to honor, we're to value, we're to see the importance, are a revelation of who God is. And I I started to think about that. I thought, God, I need to grow in my prayer life of understanding more who you are. So let me write, I want you to write this down. Number three, when you honor or you hallow God's name, this is what you're doing. Number three, you are recognizing and you are valuing God for who he is. And I want to unpack to you today some thoughts to help you and I value God more for who he is. It's going to make sense as we walk through this, to honor God and to view him for who he is, because every name of God in the Bible is a revelation of his character. So I take you to number three, and this is the heart of the message, and here's what we're going to camp on in our final moments. I want to talk to you about what happens when you pray this prayer that we're calling the prayer of recognition, when you begin to hallow God's name, when you begin to honor God's name, when you begin to value God's name, when you begin to see the importance of God's name. And I want to leave you today with three things, three things. Number one, I want you to write this in your notes, that when you recognize, when you, when you, when you pray this prayer of recognition, you, you begin to recognize, number one, that God is able to meet our deepest needs. Everybody in this house today, you have a need. You have a burden. You have a concern. You might have a problem that you're facing, a mountain that you're up against, a a difficulty that you're trying to get through. And I want you to hear that when you recognize God for who He is, you begin to understand that He can meet your deepest needs. And I put a scripture in your notes from Philippians 4.19. 
My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And then I put something else in your notes that, that I, I just, I was just praying over this, this text and praying over this prayer, hallowed be your name. And I felt the Lord say to me this, and I want you to write this in your notes. When you recognize God, when you truly recognize God for who he really is, you are beginning to position yourself to receive what he can really do in your life. And I started to think, man, I, I, I know God, but, but do I really know him for who he is? Do I really understand who my God is? And I began to, I began to be overwhelmed with this, that when I, when I truly recognize God for who he is, I am positioning myself to receive God for what he can do in my life. And the problem is we start with what he can do, but you've got to start with who he is. And when you understand who God is, you are posturing yourself to receive what he can do. So I want, I want to give you not those hundred names of God from the Bible. I'm just going to unpack very quickly nine of them real quickly. And so number one, you ever heard the name Jehovah Jireh? How many people have heard that name before? Jehovah Jireh. And Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. Can we say the Lord will provide together? One, two, three. The Lord will provide. Would you say Jehovah Jireh with me? Jehovah Jireh. Now, I want to ask you a question. I think I know the answer. How many people believe God can provide for every need in your life? You believe that? Come on, lift up your hand. Come on, do you believe that? I mean, he provided for you before. He'll provide for you today. And he'll provide for you tomorrow. And you're going to see a scripture in your notes from Genesis 22, Abraham. Remember, God tells Abraham, take Isaac, go on Mount Moriah and sacrifice your only son. And he's on the way up. And Isaac says, Dad, where's the lamb? And, 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 Isaac, and, and Abraham said, God will provide. And he, he's got the wood. And he gets on top of Mount Moriah. He puts Isaac on the altar. And he's ready, to, he's ready to sacrifice Isaac. And God stops him. And all of a sudden, there's this ram that's in the thicket. You know the story. Now look at verse 14. Abraham called the place the Lord will provide to you this day. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. I just want you to get it in your spirit. God is your provider. Your boss might write the check for you, but God gave you the job. And some of you today, you're like, I lost my job. Hear me, God is your provider. He could close a door, he can open another door, amen? I mean, he is your provider. And some people sitting here today, like, Mark, there's not enough money in the bank to pay the bills. I mean, my job, I'm, I'm about to get laid off. I'm worried sick. Hear me today. When you begin to understand God is your provider, you will walk in a deeper measure of trust and confidence. Come on, how many of you believe that God is our provider? He's our provider. But then there's number two. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. I mean, I love this. God is our healer. And yes, he can work through doctors, amen? I mean, last night, there's 250 ladies at a worship night right here at our church, right in the ministry center. And a lady named Carolyn shares her story. And about, about X number of months ago, she, they discovered a large tumor in behind in her nostril area. And she'd lost her smell senses for a long time. And she went through a horrific surgery where they literally lifted up her face and removed the tumor. And she's back in church worshiping. And she's up there sharing a story with our ladies last night. And God can work through the 
medical field. God can work through the medical field. He can heal you physically. He can heal you emotionally. He can heal you relationally. And if we can understand that God is the Lord who heals, Exodus 15, 26. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I, I am the Lord. I am the Lord who heals you. Now, some of you are sitting here today going, well, Mark, if he's the Lord who heals, why did my family member pass away? And I can't explain it. I don't understand it, but I know God heals. But I also understand that ultimate healing is going into the presence of God in heaven. And I thank the Lord for that. And so when you can't, you can't trace his hand and he doesn't make sense, you can trust his heart. And you can rest on the fact that he still is the Lord who heals. Whatever you're walking through, trust God with your sickness. Trust God with your disease. Trust God with your challenge. He is Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord who heals. And then he's number three. Come on, give a clap offering to the Lord. Come on, give a clap offering to the Lord. And then number three, Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is, the Lord is our banner. Our banner. They say in the ancient days, when the army would gather together, every army, whether you were the Philistines, or the Amalekites, or the Midianites, or the Israelites, you had a banner. And the Amalekites would have their banner, and the Midianites would have their banner, and all the enemies of God's people would have their banner. But the Israelites' banner was the Lord. I mean, they, they were lifting up a banner, and it was the Lord. And the banner was symbolic of the army. The banner was symbolic of the rallying point. The banner was symbolic of who was in charge. And, and here's an amazing story in the book of, the book of Exodus where, where Moses is up against the Amalekites, and he says, Joshua, get some soldiers, but I'm going to go on top of the mount. I'm going to pray. And every time he lifted up his arms, they were winning. And every time they put down their arms, they were loosing. And then Aaron and Ur got a rock, and Moses sat on the rock, and they lifted up his arms. And God brought an amazing victory for the Israelites that day. So much so that in Exodus 17, 15, Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord, the Lord is my banner. And as I was praying over this this week, I felt the Lord say to me to say something to you. Let the Lord fight your battle. Let the Lord fight. Fight your battle. Bring your problem to the Lord and let the Lord fight your battle. He's your banner. He's your covering. He's your victory. He's the one that's going to get you through this challenge. He, he is your banner. The Lord, the Lord is your banner. Then there's number four. It's a big word, and I probably won't pronounce it the best, but work with me. Jehovah Mechadishkim. I did my best. And it means the Lord who sanctifies. And in Exodus 31, 13, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbath. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come so you may know that I'm the Lord. I'm the Lord who sanctifies. I'm the Lord who makes you holy. When you became a child of God, he positionally placed you as a child of God. You were positionally sanctified. Someday when you get to heaven, you're going to be ultimately sanctified, removed from the presence of sin. But while you're on earth, he's progressively sanctifying us. He's progressively making us more like him. But it's a work, it's a work, it's a work of the Lord. How many people believe that Jesus can set us free from addictions? Do you believe that today? Come on, do you believe Jesus can set us free? Come on, do you believe Jesus can set us free from addictions? 
Do you believe that Jesus can set us free from, 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 from any bondage? Do you believe Jesus can set people free from any bondage and any addiction? He's the Lord. He's the Lord who makes us holy. He's the Lord who sanctifies. I mean, one moment with Jesus can change your life. Amen? One encounter with God can change your life for good. Then there's number five, Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. The Lord is our peace. And there's a guy in the Bible named Gideon, and he's freaking out. I mean, because the Midianites are about to attack, and he's underground in the wine press, and he's just so afraid. And the angel of God shows up and calls him Mighty Warrior. And he's like, who, me? Mighty Warrior? I'm the dude in the wine press freaking out. And the angel's like, yes, you, Mighty Warrior. And God did a great, great, great victory in this war going all around them. But it says in Judges 6, 24, Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is, the Lord is peace. Your peace is God. When you put God in the center, peace is released. May there be shalom over your mind. Shalom in your home. Jesus, God is your peace. God is your peace. The enemy wants you to have confusion and fear. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is not fear. Amen? I said where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is not fear. You might have heard the story that I shared before where there was a mock abduction outside of my house. And these guys in a cube van showed up. I didn't know it was a mock abduction. They put a guy from the street, threw him in the cube van, took off. I thought I saw an abduction. I'm freaking out. Call the police. I'm giving you the short version. The police take them down at gunpoint on Greenbank Road, bring them back to my house. They're Algonquin students doing a mock abduction of what a local citizen would react when a mock abduction happened in front of their house. And I totally freaked out. I was so gripped by fear. I'd been in a bank robbery in Montreal years ago, and now this, I was so marked by fear. But i tell you this, last time I shared that story, a lady in the church was sitting there going, this story sounds so familiar. It was her first cousin who was one of those a part of the mock abduction. (laughs) I want to meet that guy someday. I know what fear is like. I was raised in a home where my mom was marred by fear. I mean, her mom died of cancer when she was 36. And because of that, she was so gripped by fear, she honestly would look in the mirror and see growths on her face that weren't there. She was so filled with fear. I saw her driving the car and bawling her eyes out and crying and marked, marked by fear. But I'll never forget the day. It's in the early 70s. It was in the auditorium of our church. We're in a week of revival meetings, and the Scottish preacher was there, and he called people to the front. He prayed for them. And I, I remember I was one of those. that he, he called all my buddies to the front. He prayed over us. And God radically changed my life. But he prayed over my mom. And I remember the day he laid his hands on her. And he prayed for her. And I literally saw a woman marked and scarred by fear set free. And the joy of the Lord overwhelmed her. She started to dance and celebrate in the presence of the Lord. And she experienced the shalom of God Almighty. I want to declare to you today, my God is our shalom. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord. My God is our shalom. Number six, Jehovah Sabaoth. Jehovah Sabaoth means the Lord of hosts or the Lord, the Lord of the army. The Lord of the host or the Lord of the army. The Lord of the host of the army. And one of the greatest scriptures that illustrate this, illustrates this is David. Remember David, just young David. David's going up against Goliath, big Goliath, big giant, Goliath. 
Philistine giant. And David gets some stones and slingshot. And he doesn't even want to wear the armor. And he's just a little guy. And he's up against the big giant. But he says these words in 1 Samuel 17, 45. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear, sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. That's the Lord of hosts. That's the Jehovah Sabaoth, whom you have defied. Hear it today, church. What took down Goliath was not the stone in the slingshot. It was the God of the army, the God, the Lord of hosts. There is power, there is victory, there's power in the name of our God. In fact, when you say the name Jesus, power is released. There's power, there's power, there's power in the name of, come on, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord. There's power in the name of our Lord God. Number seven, Jehovah Reah, the Lord our shepherd. I'm in Psalm 23, one, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, David says, God is my shepherd. He, he's my shepherd. He's my God. Jehovah Reah, the Lord our shepherd. And then number eight, Jehovah Shammah. There's another name for God. Number, number seven is Jehovah Reah, the Lord our shepherd. Number eight is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord, the Lord is there. And I don't have time to explore it, but in Ezekiel 48, it's a prophetic scripture to the millennial years and, and to the days when God sets his kingdom up on earth. And he says the distance all around will be 18,000 cubits and the name of the city from that time on will be the Lord. The Lord, is, the Lord is there. The Lord, the Lord is there. And just by the way, God is in the house this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. The Lord is here today. Amen. And he wants to change our lives. And then there's number nine, Jehovah, and I probably won't pronounce it the best, Tiskina, the Lord, our righteousness. And in Jeremiah 26, 23, 6, in his days, Judah will be saved. Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, the Lord, our righteous Savior. So I've just given you just some of the names. And there's a lot of names of God in the Bible. But every name is a revelation of his character. He's our peace. Somebody say amen to that. Come on. He's our peace. He's our healer. Somebody say amen to that. He's our shepherd. Come on, somebody say amen to that. And when you truly understand him for who he really is, you are posturing yourself to receive a great outpouring of what God wants to do in your life. When you truly get it, he is your peace. He is the epitome of peace. He is peace. This is who he is. So I want to take you to number two in the message, and I want to very quickly walk you through some thoughts. So number two... When you pray the prayer of recognition, you recognize, you begin to recognize that God is greater than our biggest problems. Now, here's what I've done, and you've probably done this. Have you ever taken a lot of time telling God all about your big problems? Have you ever, have you ever took a lot, God, let me tell you about my problem today. It's so big. And here's what I do. Honestly, I do this all the time. I'm taking less and less energy in my prayer life telling God about my big problems. And I'm taking more time speaking to my problems about my big God. And I'm declaring who my God is over my problem. Are you hearing me today, church? You can, you, your prayer life will go to a new dimension when you stop spending all your time telling God how big your problems are and you begin to speak how big your God is. When you begin to realize that God is bigger than your problems. So I want you to write this in your notes. This is what I pray. God... I want your name. I mean, I pray, God, I want, I want shalom, because that's your name. 
I, I want, I want, I want all of these names. I want, I want your name. And so I'm not going to spend all my time, God, here's my big problem. I'm spending more energy saying, this is my big God. I'm declaring my big God over my, and God is always bigger than your problem. You hear me today? Always bigger than your problems. So let me give you a few scriptures. First John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one, the one who's in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Just the question, how many people are glad that God who's in you is bigger than anything going on around you? How many people are glad that he's bigger, he's greater, he's mightier, he's stronger? Amen. Psalm 148, 13. Let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His name is exalted. His name is lifted up. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. You're honoring his name. His name is greater. His name is bigger. His name is a revelation of who he is. Look at Psalm 1831. For who is God besides the Lord? Who is the rock except our God? And David spent a lot of time in the book of Psalms comparing God to a rock. And a rock speaks of security. And so God wants you to move from trouble to trusting. He wants you to move from, from insecurity to security. He is your firm foundation. And I'm telling you, your prayer life will move to new dimensions when you greater understand who he is. You have less fear in your life when you begin to understand that he is shalom. When you begin to understand more who he is, you have less turmoil in your life. Is this making sense, church? When you will begin to trust him more when you understand more who he is. Let me give you a few more scriptures. Psalm 31, 3. Since you are my rock, I mean, David's always talking about God as a rock. Since you are my rock and my fortress for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. God, you're my rock. And for the sake of your name, your name, lead and guide me. Psalm 33, 21. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Why did David say we trust in his holy name? Because David was growing in his prayer life, and he was beginning to understand who God was is a revelation to him, and he began to trust in his name more. Look at Psalm 61, 1 and 2. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Before I come to the last point, very quickly, you remember a guy in the Bible named Job? How many people remember Job? Come on, lift up your hand. Job lost everything in one day. Family, possessions, boils all over his body. And these comforters come along that weren't too comforting. And he's asking all these questions to God. And you come to the end of Job and he begins to realize who God really was. And I want to read you some final words from the book of Job. Look at verse 1, Job 42. Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. You know why Job, Job knew that God can do all things? Because he started to have a revelation of who God is. You will begin to understand he can do all things when you begin to comprehend who he really is. And Job, Job's like, I know you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Look at verse 2. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? It's like, Job, you don't know what you're talking about, man. I'm greater than you think. I'm mightier than you think. I've got this. I'm in charge. Then he said, surely I spoke of things I did not understand. When I was 16 years of age, I thought I knew more than my father. Anybody else like that when you're 16? What does my dad know? I mean, then I became in my 20s, and I went to him for advice. 
And then I got my 40s, and I realized how smart and intelligent and how much wisdom he has. And now I'm in my 50s, and my dad has passed away. I wished he was around so I could call him up. You know, church, I've been a believer for most of my life. But the more I'm a believer, the more I realize he's the potter, I'm the clay. He's the creator, I'm the creation. He's God, I'm not. Are you with me today? That's what Job was beginning to understand. Job was beginning, surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Look at verse 4. You said, listen now, and I will speak. Now think about it. Prayer to us is a lot of us talking to God. Your prayer life changes when you stop talking and you start listening. When you say, God, speak to me, speak to me. Listen now, I will speak, I, I will question you. And you shall answer. Look at verse 5. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And then verse 6. Therefore, I despise myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. I'll tell you where I'm at in my prayer life. God is revealing more to me as your pastor who he is. And I'm spending a lot more time not bringing him the problems And I'm spending more time declaring how big and great my God is. He's bigger. He's greater. And I give him praise. Come on, give another clap offering of praise to the Lord. I want to take you to the final moments of this message. And it's number three. The third thing that happens when you pray the prayer, when you pray the prayer of recognition, is you begin to recognize that God calls us a part of his family. Now, when you first met me, you probably knew nobody with the last name Scar. Am I right? Anybody know anybody else on planet Earth with the last name Scar? Probably not. When we were passing Montreal. I went to the phone book. There's one more person with the last name Scar. Met him. We weren't related. And every time I'm out there, I mean, when I was growing up, people would say, oh, aren't you more Scar's son? That's my dad. Or they think, my dad was John. That's my dad's brother. He was a pastor, and he pastored in Canada, and pastored in different churches in Canada, and pastored in California. And, and you know, sometimes that, that name, and you're like, i got to live up to that name. i got to live up to that name. And God, when you got saved, God, God, God put his reputation on the line, and he started, started we, we're part of his family. Now, stay with me. I'm, I'm going to make a point here. Look at Ephesians 2.19. Consequently, You're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household or members of his family. How many people are glad that when you come to Christ, you become a part of the family of God? Come on, isn't that cool? Come on, anybody glad that you're part of the family of God? And honestly, it's cool. And when you're in his family, there's several things. Number one, you got to understand how much he loves you. And he loves you more than you can imagine because God is love. Ephesians 3 Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, all the Lord's family, to grasp how wide, long, high, deep is the love of Christ. I I want you to get in your spirit today that when you're in his family, man, he loves you more than you can ever imagine. And I'm just growing to really understand more the love of God. But I'm going to make a statement. His love for you is greater and better than you can ever comprehend or imagine. 
and he wants to overwhelm you with his love. But, but when you're in his family, it doesn't just change how much you begin to understand his love, but it changes the way that you live. I mean, I, I meet some people who are followers of God, but you would never know that they're a follower of God. They're out living in our city with absolutely no difference. And you wouldn't even know that they're a follower of God. I've got a question for you. Do your neighbors know that you're a follower of God? Do your classmates know that you're a follower of God? Does your family know that you're a follower of God? May we never be ashamed of our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, there's another extreme, the monks. I mean, they go, they go separate themselves and isolate themselves. I mean, they're so removed. And, and Christianity has been tagged by many people as an isolation group. Now, hear me. Church is not a place that you go to. Church is who you are. This is a building. This is not the church. You are the church. And I pray in a few minutes when you walk out of this building, you'd represent God well in your neighborhoods. I'm grateful for our friends from Red Cross. And and I I tell you, we did it in the little video clip. and, and, And we mean it. We honestly mean it. We honestly mean it. We are here for the community. And if we closed our doors today and stopped having church, would anybody in Ottawa miss us? I hope the answer is yes. This coming Tuesday in our staff meeting, we've invited our ward counselor to come and join us. And we want to talk to him about how we can greater impact our community. Mark and Evelyn live that personally, and we got great neighbors on our street. And I don't have the freedom to tell you the who, but someone on our street, our age, is walking through cancer right now. Walking through a real difficult road of cancer. I mean, she's in a hospice, and her husband's at home, and we're making last Sunday night. We're not we. I'm not the cook in the house. Evelyn's the cook. And she's making these chicken wings and rice. And we're bringing it to this guy and his boys. We're going to visit his wife. And I'll tell you, church, God put Mark and Evelyn on that street to share the love of Jesus Christ with our neighbors. And you need to hear me today. Whatever apartment building, whatever condo, whatever townhome, whatever street, God didn't accidentally place you there. He placed you there to be the love and the light of Jesus Christ. I really believe that. And so I want to close with a couple of scriptures. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Put it on the screen, please. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here it is. When you truly comprehend how much God loves you, you will want to share the love of God with everybody around you. I want to close with three scriptures. And I've often asked the question, people ask me the question, where did the name Christian come from? It's only mentioned three times in the Bible. First time it's mentioned is Acts eleven twenty six. Look at the screen and there's Paul and there's Barnabas and Paul goes out and he finds them and he brought them to Antioch. Or Barnabas finds Paul, I should say, and brings him to Antioch. And for a whole year, when they're in Antioch, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Christians means of the party of Christ. A follower of Christ. 
I read this week about Gandhi. You ever studied Gandhi? He said, I might have become a Christian if it weren't for the Christians I met. That gripped me. I might have become a Christian if it wasn't for the Christians I met. And here's Paul and Barnabas in Antioch, and, and all these people are so different. And they're so overflowing with love. And they said, you're, you're just like Christ. I'm going to call you a Christian. And then it's mentioned again in, in Acts 26, 28. This is the second time it's mentioned. Acts 26, 28. There's this guy named Agrippa. He's the leader of the day. And he said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Oh, man. I mean, there's a whole sermon there. Sometimes we forget that we've got to build bridges and build relationships and get to know and take time and some plant, others water, but God gives the increase. There's another whole sermon there. But the last time it's mentioned, and this one gripped me the most, is in 1 Peter 4.16. And I close with this scripture. Peter's writing to the believers that were experiencing great persecution from the Roman leaders. He said, however, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's my savior. He's my healer. He's my baptizer. He's my soon coming king. He's my Jehovah Shalom. He's my Jehovah Shalom. Reah, he's my God. And the more I begin to understand him, the more I'm positioning myself to receive more of him in my life. I want him more than what he can do for me. Does that make sense? I want more him of him than what he can do. And as I close... I'm just going to reveal to you where I'm at in my prayer life. I've spent a lot of time seeking for the hands of God. Give me, bless me, do this for me. I no longer want his hands. I want his face. I want to spend time with him and get to know him more. I want him more than what he can do. Does that make sense? I'll tell you, church, when your prayer life moves from wanting to receive to wanting to spend more time with Him, revelation will be released. Get to know God more, more, more. And I'm close with this story, and it might make sense to you, but Evelyn and I are now been married for 33 years. She knows me so much. She knows what I'm thinking even before I say it. Can you relate to that? I mean, she... And I know her. Have you ever, have you ever, she finishes my sentences. We've spent so much time together. We know each other so much. Spend time with God and get to know him. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate his name. I want to invite you to stand, bow your heads. I'm asking that no one would leave unless it's absolutely urgent.
And there's several things in these final few moments that I want to ask. And the first thing I want to ask you is if today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, do you know that you know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven? There's a family here today. I had the great joy of conducting the wedding for your daughter on Friday. It was, it was so fun. Evelyn and I had to part that day, and she made it back in time for the reception, but she had to travel to Peterborough, Ontario for a funeral. And a Bible college classmate of ours, a Pentecostal at Sons of Canada minister, one week ago Thursday was out golfing with, believe it or not, Pastor Kyle's father. 18 holes of golf. The boys were probably laughing it up and having a good time. And the next morning, he got up, had a massive stroke. They called the ambulance. They took him to the Peterborough Hospital. And he died. I don't share that to play on your emotions. But the truth is, none of us know when, when we will step into eternity. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I I, I tell you right now, God loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the world. And and, and the way to heaven is, is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. Giving in the offering doesn't make you saved, ready for heaven. Going to church is not what gets you to heaven. Being a good person is not what gets you to heaven. You've, you've got to personally ask Jesus to be the center of your life. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed in these final moments, do you know that 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 you're ready for heaven? Was there a time, a place, a moment that you personally asked Christ to be the center of your life? In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And you're here today and you're, you're listening. And you're like, I, I, I don't know if I'm ready for heaven, but I want to be ready for heaven. I want Christ in my life. I want Jesus to be the center of my life. I want to be ready for heaven. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And if you'd like to be led in a prayer to ask Christ to be the center of your life, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand. Then you can put it down. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Please hear me. God loves you. Are you ready for heaven? I'm going to count to three. And if you'd like to be included in this prayer, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. That's you. Just lift your hand as high as you can. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah. Anyone else? I see your hands. You put your hands down. You lifted your hand. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And something we do often at Woodville is we're going to join you as you pray. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I have decided to follow Jesus. I make my peace with you. Today, I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, Woodville. It's party time. Come on.
Come on, it's party time. Come on, it's party time. Wow. There's, there's a number of people this morning that prayed that prayer. And if you accepted Christ in your life, you made the best decision of your life. few things. If you don't attend a Bible-believing, life-giving church, we'd be honored if you joined us in the journey. Number two, in a few moments after we close, on your way out, you're going to see a big word in the lobby on a big wall, follow. And we got a Bible for you. It's, it's free. It's a great book. You can start reading in the New Testament, the book of John. We got a little booklet for you. And we even have a, a class that happens on Wednesday nights that you're welcome to come to. It's called Follow. And they're going to help you in your new faith journey. And if this is your church, get into a connect group. We have groups all across the city in homes that study God's Word. And uh, it's all on our website. Or you can go to the connect wall. We can tell you more about it. And if this is your church, get serving. I mean, I love watching people serving and just finding their place of ministry. And we walked a whole bunch of people through our last serve class. I peeked in. There's like over 20 people. And if you want to find a place of serving, go to the serve wall. If you're our guest, could we one more time welcome and thank all of our guests for coming today. And I, I want to thank these two ladies for coming from Red Cross. Come on, thank them again for coming. And we, we're grateful for the Red Cross. We really are. We are so grateful. And if you're our guest, drop by the guest lounge. We honestly want to bless you. Tonight at 6 o'clock is the prayer meeting. And I tell you, come as a family. We, we, we spend one hour praying, and it's a great time. You're not going to want to miss it. But Pastor Brad, I want you to lead us in a song of worship. And I want the altar workers and the pastors to immediately come and make yourselves available. And I, I just feel the Lord saying to me in these final moments, there's a lot of people today that you got something big. You've got the challenge that you're up against. And you just needed to hear today that God is bigger than your problem. We're going to declare how big and how great and how wonderful our God is over your challenge. And we're going to believe the Lord is going to do the supernatural. How many people believe God can do the supernatural in this place this morning? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what you're facing. But come and just let us pray for you. We're just going to worship in this song. Then we're going to pray. Oh 